with a smile on my face, coming to you from the summer headquarters of the Nipty Radio Recording Studios, high above Eagle Street. Welcome. Today we will very happily be discussing with you something we've been waiting to do for about 42 years, and that is the new legislation which permits the people to introduce into evidence on their direct case photographic identifications made by witnesses regardless of the nature of the photos used in that identification procedure. The governor has signed legislation that will finally bring New York State in line with the other 49 states, Washington, D.C., and the other federal courts in the context of the introduction of photographic identification evidence of the defendant at trial. The people will be permitted to introduce on the direct case testimony by the person who made the identification that he or she identified the defendant in a photographic identification procedure conducted by law enforcement officers, and the physical evidence of this identification procedure will also be obviously permitted to be introduced to the jury. Prior to this new legislation, the people were not permitted to introduce such evidence on their direct case if the pictures used were mugshots or were in some other way unduly prejudicial to the defendant. The defense could open the door to the people being permitted to introduce these identifications on their rebuttal case. Now, what it took to open the door has been significantly different in the various courts throughout the state. In some counties, it is fairly common for the courts to permit such evidence to be introduced, while in others, especially those south of Fordham Road, it requires a great deal of the defense before the courts believe the door has been opened. Some courts are reluctant to permit the introduction of any type of photographic identification evidence, despite the case law and Professor Prizer's commentaries for CPL Section 6025. He wrote, If the circumstances do not prejudice the defendant in some inadmissible manner, there is no reason to exclude prior photographic identification. Under the new legislation, for such photo identification evidence to be properly introduced to trial, the law enforcement officers conducting the photo identification procedure must not know who the suspect is or not know in which place in the photo array the suspect's picture has been placed. The legislation refers to these procedures as blind and blinded. It is imperative that in going forward, law enforcement officers conducting photo identification procedures in which there is a suspect follow these rules or else the use of this evidence will be precluded on the people's direct case. When the procedure is one using photo manager or some other resource when there is no suspect, then the issue of using a blind or blinded procedure is obviously a moot one. While the blind or blinded procedures must be followed for the evidence of the photo ID to be permitted to be introduced to trial when there is a suspect, the statute specifically notes that if this error occurs and the evidence is precluded, it is in no way impacting on the issue of suggestivity in the context of suppression. It emphasizes that it is only relevant to the use of the photo ID as direct evidence pursuant to this specific statute. These amendments include the use of a photo identification in what we commonly refer to as 6025 evidence. This type of evidence permits a police officer to testify to something that would normally be considered bolstering. 
In these circumstances, the police officer is permitted to testify that the witness previously identified the defendant's picture if, due to the passage of time, the witness is not able to make a present identification, but is still sure that he or she identified the person correctly who committed the crime at the previous identification procedure. Now, in the past, only corporeal identifications or photo IDs that were not from mugshots were permitted to be used for 6025 purposes. The new legislation also amends the CPL 71031B notice section to include the requirement that if we intend to introduce evidence at trial of such a photo identification, we must give notice of that ID to the defense. Now, we have always had this obligation to give 71030 notice of any police-conducted or orchestrated identification procedure, regardless of whether it could be introduced or not at trial, if we did intend for that witness to make an in-court identification of the defendant at trial. As you will see in the statutes found in the written copy of this nifty practice tip, the new rules are equally applicable to family court proceedings as they are to those in the criminal courts. In addition, new executive law legislation calls for the promulgation of, quote, a standardized and detailed written protocol that is grounded in evidence-based principles for the administration of photographic array and live lineup identification procedures for police agencies and the standardized forms for use by such agencies in the reporting and recording of such identification procedures. As with all new legislation, there are many things, no matter how carefully the legislators have looked at these procedures, that will raise unexpected questions and unexpected issues. Please let us know any that you become aware of or any questions you have so that we can all better deal with this new legislation and be ahead of the curve on preparing properly to use photographic identifications at trial. As we have previously noted, it is imperative that law enforcement officers are aware of this new legislation and the proper procedures that must be followed in to assure that we will be able to introduce this new evidence. If you are not listening to this nifty practice tip from the page, which also contains the written version, please be sure to go there in the PE and then you will have a copy of this legislation. Our thanks, as always, to our crack producer, Jonathan Marconi Crespino. To all of you, be well and stay ready, my friends. Stay ready.